0: Hey everybody, this is Doug Robertson with a late edition of the Southern Fried Soccer podcast following Atlanta United's 1-1 draw at Cincinnati on Wednesday. I apologize it being a day late, but I was at my daughter's college orientation yesterday and that was a lot more important than taping this. Uh, So I apologize for that, but you're going to have it this Friday morning. Um, As I said, Atlanta United drew 1-1 with Cincinnati on Wednesday at beautiful TQL Stadium. Uh, Luciano Acosta scored in the 61st minute. And then that was equalized by Ronald Hernandez in the 70th minute for 99. It was the first game under interim manager Rob Valentino. And while the winless streak stretched to nine games and they're now six points behind the seventh place team in the MLS East, there were a lot of good things that came from this game. Uh, the team set season highs for shots with 22 and shots on target with nine. It appeared to have just a lot more vervency, if that's even a word, on offense. There was a lot more movement. They just seemed to be playing much more than they did under Gabriel Heinze, particularly in that final third. It's telling that the goal uh, was assisted by one fullback and scored by another. That shows you the attacking threat that Atlanta United had in the second half uh, against Cincinnati. I do have to caution, as I cautioned on Twitter, and some of y'all didn't like this, that Cincinnati is the worst team in Major League Soccer in terms of allowing shots. they uh talking after the game, it laying out its players, how watching them on film, it's usually the back six for Cincinnati, and then the front four, there's really nothing in between, which is part of why they get outshot so badly. But a point is a point, and a building block is a building block, and congratulations to Rob Valentino and his team. Uh, As always, you can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC and on Facebook at Atlanta United News now. The questions were slow to trickle in, but then once they came, uh, got a lot of really, really good ones. So we're going to dive right into those because I need to get in the car and get to Marietta for the team's training. We're going to start with Lucas. Uh, What kind of minor heart conditions might COVID be known to cause? What is this about? He's referring to Joseph Martinez, revealing on Tuesday that he had what he called a minor heart issue um, related to COVID, but that is now fine. <clears throat> Someone actually reached out to me that afternoon about this who is in the medical field and was describing some of the things that it could be. I don't know if any of these are it, so I'm not uh, saying this is what COVID has. But this person says that, uh, that um, he either had a COVID-related cardiomyopathy, which would really like fatigue and general inability to perform athletically in last weeks, or he was completely asymptomatic and is now fine. Um, but anyway, if the doctors say he's fine, then he's probably now fine. Um, and he did play on the other day, so I think that that issue is sorted out. Um, and then Lucas asks a, a second question: Are we consider? Are we Atlanta United? Whenever I say we, it's the Atlanta United. I don't consider myself a part of Atlanta United. I'm an objective reporter covering Atlanta United. So there's a difference. Um, are we considerably younger than average MLS teams? Uh, at looking at transfermarket.us, which tracks the age of starting 11s for teams, Atlanta United's typically ranges in between 24 and 25, which is on the lower end. Um, and there's a reason for that, because of all the injuries. It's had to start uh, young kids like Tyler Wolf, uh, Jackson Conway, George Campbell, George Bello starting over and over again. A lot of young guys in that lineup. Is the team too focused on MLS 3.0 and being a sell-on team? It feels like we're taking a lot of shots at young talent. Our early teams had more of an age experience mix in the starting lineup. It's true you did. That's because the academy was only up and running for a couple of years. Um, are we too focused on being a sell-on team? I don't think so. I mean, the team has brought in veterans in the past years, but it's now starting to reap the fruits of its academy and its pipeline. And that's a really, really good thing. Uh, when the first academy teams were uh, inducted, for lack of a better word, uh, at a place at um, uh, Potts Market in Atlanta – Darren Eels told a story about he compared the, um, I think it was Tottenham starting 11 with Portsmouth starting 11, I think it was. And looked at how many of them were homegrowns for, for uh, Tottenham versus uh, where Portsmouth's talent came from. And a lot of them were from Tottenham's academy. It's a good thing to have academy kids in your team. Um, but I understand your concern about the winning. But I think Atlanta United is trying to balance that out. So we'll just see what happens. Pat. Do you think Campbell, George Campbell, will be the odd center back out if they stay with a 4-3-3? Felt we missed his speed last night and would at least like to see a platoon with Franco for now. Yes, I do think Campbell is going to be the odd center back out. Uh, I thought Walks and Alan Franco played well together the other day. I thought Franco was probably his best game as an Atlanta United player. Um, he had a couple of little hospital passes, but that field apparently it looked difficult for Atlanta United. A lot of slipping. A lot of passes that didn't quite make it there. (coughs) Excuse me. So I think Campbell is going to be the odd man out, but that's you know if he can continue to play with the twos and get game time, I think that's okay. He just needs game time right now, and I think he's got a bright future. Adam asks, "You've noted Santiago Sosa's lax man marking before, and that issue came home to roost last night. How much of this do you think is his focus? How much of it is his changing roles from match to match, and how much much is it the result of the overall team?" Defense breaking down. So his role has not changed very much. He's typically been that deep lying midfielder slash third center back. This is not a position he played at River Plate. He was more of a traditional center. Uh, I'm sorry, midfielder at River Plate. He mentioned that to us the other day. So I think a lot of this is a new position. Some of it is just Paul watching. Some of it is a lack of inexperience. I've watched that goal by Acosta many times, and I tweeted that he got away from Sosa. It was. So Sosa was marking Acosta, and then Sosa turned the ball, and Acosta, being a good player, found a pocket of space in between Sosa and the center backs. It looked like that the team was expecting Sosa to mark Acosta because there was no center back near him. Um, Walks had to come over. The, The egregious thing for Sosa is not only did he track Acosta as he ran behind him, he didn't cut off the passing angle either. Um, I think that was the big thing. I think that as he gains experience, he's going to get a lot better at that. Um, but right now, it needs to be fixed because he's, he's costing the team goals. And if you're costing the team goals, then you've got to think, well, you've got to contribute on offense. And he's really not doing a lot of that right now. He doesn't hit a lot of those long diagonal passes that we saw in the preseason. He hasn't hit those all year. And that could have been Heinz's tactics. It could have been Heinz telling him not to do that. Uh, I don't know. Um, I think he's got a bright future, but he's got to kind of get these two things sorted out. Adam, second question, why do pro teams rarely have players positioned outside the box on the opposite side from a corner kick? At rarely, Atlanta rarely gets first contact on their corners and inevitably have to chase back on defense. It seems they'd be wise to have someone deep to play cleanup after the expected first clearance. Uh, they do usually have one guy, but that's to prevent a counterattack. Um, the rest of the time, I guess you're just trying to throw guys into the mix to see what happens. Everyone has different tactics on corner cakes. It's, it's interesting. And now I'm going to take a quick coffee sip so I can wake up a little bit. Ah, that was brought to you by Doug's Coffee. I don't know who makes it, uh, other than me. Uh, going to Fong, who's a regular in the mailbag as is Adam. Uh, I want to thank both of y'all for consistently asking good questions. Fong asks, Alec, Uh, Ken uh, gave me about five heart attacks today, but also saved us five times. Is he good enough to replace Guzan? Uh, I think Alec is good enough to be a starting goalkeeper for a lot of MLS clubs. I think he thought he was going to be a starting goalkeeper when Atlanta United, when he signed with Atlanta United a long time ago. Um, He's a Decatur native, and then the team signed Guzan. Uh, Khan started like seven or 17 games or 18 games that first season performed very well, and then played in one the next year, none in 2020, and now started his third against Cincinnati we will likely get a fourth on Saturday against Columbus. Um, you know, a lot of y'all were criticizing him for his distribution, but he was put into a lot of tough situations uh, by his teammates against a very, very high press against Cincinnati on Wednesday, and nobody scored because of that. Um Kuzan is the highest-paid goalkeeper in the league. I don't think Atlanta is going to get rid of him. Uh, his contract may end up playing out, but he just signed a contract extension, uh, I think it was in the 2019 season. Uh, if Ken if, can, can remain patient, yeah, I think he could be the starting goalkeeper. Um, I, I think he's got a lot of talent. He, he saw he made some really good saves the other day. Um, could his distribution be better? I guess so, but a lot of that comes with playing experience. Now to Lewis, Uh, do you think Mulraney and – do you think we get Mulraney and Chop starting again, or will Valentino drop one of the wingers for another midfielder to get more control against a tough Columbus team? And he says, Nagby, I miss you. Um, Yeah, I think think you will. I mean, I think Chop had some issues on defense, but we're going to talk about that in a second. I thought Mulraney was, again, fantastic. He puts in a great ball time after time, and he will put a shot on goal from outside the box as opposed to a shot over the bar. And eventually one of those is going to get spilled or it's going to go in. Um, But you can't score unless you shoot, and Mulraney will shoot. And it doesn't matter how many midfielders you try to put on Nagby. He's usually going to control the game. Uh, a fan asks, "What's your take on Chol's performance last night? He seemed to be lost at times. Do you agree? And if yes, is it a momentary blip?" I don't know if he was lost. Uh, I don't know what Valentino's instructions were to Chol. He may have told him to stay pushed high up the field. You saw him come back occasionally on defense, but probably not as consistently as in past games. Um, the only issue I have with Chol, I think he's going to be a good player. I think he's got speed. I think he's got pace. Uh, in over tight spaces, um, he had a great shot that just went just wide of the post, a little curling right-footed shot, is he always cuts into the right. That's my only issue with Charles. Even when there's an overlapping fullback coming down his left, and Hernandez in the case of this game, um, he always cuts right and passes it to Marino, who always cuts right. So opponents know we don't have to worry about that fullback we can just clog the middle, and we're going to stop whatever's coming down that left side because they're com- going to come right back at us. Toll's um, passing, looking it up, uh, I think he was like 70% the other day, which is pretty low uh, for a player. It was 78.6%. Uh, uh, he only got 24 touches, uh, 14 passes, one tackle, one foul one one foul conceded, uh, one shot, one chance created. So uh, I think he's going to get better as he gets more experience. Another supporter asks, How much do you think Barco is worth? Probably about what it was when Atlanta United paid for him. Uh, but I got to imagine the value is going down. We can take a quick look at that. Uh, give me one second here. Um, I know Argentina got beat the other day in its first Olympic match. Uh, I read three stories about it. They were, were beat by Australia, two to nothing. Never saw Barco's name once. So I'm assuming that's not a good thing. Um, but again he's only one of 11 guys uh, so let's see so when Atlanta might bought him his value was uh, like around 9 and it's about at 11 right now for whatever that's worth um, do you have uh, the same supporter asked do you have any sense whether the Hines reports rumors may have been exaggerated as some have suggested no I don't think they were exaggerated if anything i've heard other things that uh people did not want me to report as a source but there were anecdotes uh in which he was uh every bit as bad as has been reported and, and only bad in that it, it just he was just kind of just not a not a pleasant guy um and a disorganized guy uh you know we can argue his tactics uh I guess he thought he was doing what was best for the team at the time, but obviously the results weren't working. Um, I don't believe that players drove to his house, uh, large players. A couple might have because, you know, they're nice guys and they did spend a lot of time with him. And I'm sure he was nice to them. He seemed great with the players with one exception, uh, being Joseph Martinez. Um, but a lot of guys did praise him. Brooks Linden praised him for his man-, man management ability and things like that. Um, so we'll see. And then the last question from that other supporter is why should fans trust the front office to make the right hire in a few weeks when they took six months to find someone who was not a good fit? I'm going to take a quick coffee sip and I'm going to answer that because I, have a, I think an answer that might surprise you. I think COVID really, really affected the vetting of Gabriel Heinze. Uh It was hard for Atlanta United, I think, to talk to everyone involved. Uh, and with clubs uh, that might have helped them keep gain a, a good picture of Heinz. Everyone knew he was prickly. Everyone knew he was not going to be good with the media. But until he actually got there, I don't think they realized how bad it was going to be. Um, and that goes to vetting. And I'm sure Atlanta United has learned from this. You have to think. Darren Eels is a very, very smart man. Um, and they will apply some of the new things they've learned to the next hire. Um And everybody's going to miss on a coach. Every president is going to miss on at least one coach. Atlanta, as we unfortunately know, has a long history of missing on coaches. And looking at Atlanta United, uh, if you want to look at it manager by manager, Tata Martino, you won the MLS Cup after two years. Frank DeBoer, you won two trophies in the first year. You can argue the value of the Campionas Cup, but a trophy is a trophy. You can argue that Frank did it with... Tata's roster, well, that seems more difficult to me than trying to do it with your own roster, um, but it was two trophies. And then 2020 COVID, Frank's trying to figure out what to do with Barco and Pitti, who are basically the same player. Neither one of them probably considered above average uh, during their time with Major League Soccer and Atlanta United. Joseph Martinez's injury, you got everything with COVID. You got players whose families are in South America. That's just an unbelievably difficult thing to manage through. Did Frank have warts? Yeah, he had warts. He had problems, communication, tactics, uh, things like that. But the 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 dislike that some of y'all have for Frank, it reminds me of the dislike some of y'all have for Kubo. You don't have to like him, but you don't have to hate him either. Uh, yeah, he got let go by Netherlands, but they, they did get out of the group stage. They did play well. And the other teams are trying to win. That's the most important thing. Am I advocating for Frank to come back? No, I don't, I'm don't. i not advocating for Frank to come back. I know he's interested in coming back to Atlanta United, but I think Atlanta United has probably turned that page. It's more just why hate on a guy who doesn't deserve that hate, I guess is my larger point. Rick asks, based on Mateus Uzetu's strong performance, do you think he could get the start on Saturday? So I see the love affair of Mateus Rossetto has started again based upon one good game. Uh, it reminds me last year after the preseason game at Birmingham when Rosetto scored against basically Birmingham's third stream, which was made up of academy kids. And everyone went on to talk about, oh, rosetto has got to get the game. He's got to get the game. He's so good. He's so good. And then he started playing and truly did statistically almost next to nothing during the season. He had an expected assist up until the final game of 0.0 as a midfielder. And I'm not making that up. You can go look it up. Um, But most of the players last year didn't play well. So statistically, yes, Zetua did well on Wednesday. But again, it's against a Cincinnati team that's just awful that doesn't really have a midfield. Uh, It's six in the back, four at the front. I think that he needs to play his way into the starting lineup with at least one more strong appearance off the bench. JDP asks With a strong playoff-bound finish, do you think Rob Valentino has a chance to become the full-time head coach? No. Uh, the team said pretty emphatically he is a short-term interim manager. Uh, Rob doesn't have any experience as a head manager. Uh, I don't think Atlanta United is going to be the one to gamble on that. I think Rob is a great guy. Uh, you can tell just talking to him. He cares about the players, the players care about him. Um, tactically, he kind of laughed off, I guess, his his uh, lack of experience or, or whatever. It was just tactically, he said on Monday, I'll do my best, which I thought was humble and funny at the same time. Uh, I thought he got the tactics spot on against Cincinnati, but now you're facing. What I think is still probably the second, third best team in Major League Soccer, maybe the best. They're the reigning champs in Columbus, and Caleb Porter, uh, for all of his faults, does know what he's doing with that roster. So we'll see what Rob and his staff can come up with on Saturday, um, and I think that's going to be a a really good indication of, of Rob's abilities as a manager. I got to assume at one point he does, at some point in his career, he would love to manage a first team. Um, so we'll see. Sanford asks. Should we try to get a new designated player before we get a new coach? Some of y'all have really, really strong feelings about this, that the team should never sign a designated player before it signs a coach. And I really couldn't disagree more, and I'm going to tell you why after I take a sip of this coffee. I say they shouldn't worry about it because as you're learning, coaches come and go, but players will stay on the roster. And when you get a chance to get a quality player, You get the quality player, and then you find the coach that can manage a roster around the talent he has, rather than the talent he wants. Uh, That's just the way it's got to be. That's the way it's got to be in sports. Coaches come and go, but as we're seeing, players will stick on rosters for a long time, and you can't just wait. Because by the time you get the coach hired, that player may be gone. And for all you know, that could be the difference-making player. That could be the face of the franchise in a few years. Um, so, no, I don't think you should wait. Mundo asks, thoughts on Domi Toronto as a possible head coach at Atlanta United? Joe Patrick loves Domi Toronto uh, I mean, the resume kind of would fit with someone who I think would be good at Atlanta United. He's come up under Pep Guardiola, though I don't... Uh, y'all probably know my thoughts on Guardiola. I think he's an excellent manager. I don't think he's the greatest ever. I'm not even sure he's the greatest of his time. <clears throat> do it with a roster that you don't spend a billion dollars on, and I'll be impressed. If you're supposed to be that great of a tactician, that great of a man-management guy, why do you have to spend a billion dollars to prove it? It's ridiculous. <clears throat> but anyway, Torrent has experience with Major League Soccer. He knows the peculiarities of the rules. He knows the peculiarities of the travel, the conditions, the heat, and all that. So that would be a benefit uh, for Atlanta United. I was thinking about this the other day. You look at some of the bottom teams in Major League Soccer, the teams who are struggling, and a lot of them have coaches who have no experience in Major League Soccer. And you can, some of you might be insulted and say that it's wrong to say that, that foreign managers can't hack it in Major League Soccer. But... Look at the facts. Look at the standings. And go through the teams who have hired guys who have absolutely no experience in Major League Soccer or very little. And you're going to find a commonality. Miami, Phil Neville, no experience. Chris Armas was never should have been hired in Toronto. Rafael Wicke has experience in U.S. soccer, but not a lot with Major League Soccer. Yap with Cincinnati, no experience. Gabriel Hines with Atlanta United, no experience. Losada in D.C., no experience. It goes on like that. Look at the the bottom of the West. Uh, Matias Almeida has now been with San Jose what three seasons. Uh, Josh Wolf, expansion team, so that doesn't count. He has experience in Major League Soccer. Um, But there is a commonality. Now I don't know if it's a cause, but there is a commonality. Uh, Joseph asks, when Miles Robinson comes back, what does the back line look like? Look like? Will it be three CBO three center? I'm sorry, I can't talk. Three center backs with Alan Franco back to the bench. Uh, I don't think so. Um, I think he will probably go with three center backs again. Um, uh, and Franco would be a part of those three center backs. Can we buy Franco down and get someone? Yes, you can. If so, what position would you look at? Well, I think we need to see if Marcelino Moreno is going to continue his upper trend as an attacking midfielder. He looked great against Cincinnati, but again, Cincinnati played with basically no midfield. So he had a lot of space to work with. Let's see what he does against Columbus in these next few games. If he reverts back to the form he had earlier this season, then I think an attacking midfielder is what you need. If Marino starts to really show that he can control the team and Valentino shows makes a decision on Ezekiel Marco once Marco returns from Tokyo, I think you need a, an attacking winger who can score. Um, that's what I think, but we'll see. Uh, Jennifer asks, what would it look like if the team with a homegrown manager who understands the Atlanta team and fan culture rather than bringing in yet another new formation style of play and pushing the players to fit their structure? I answered that just a bit ago, but that's a good question, Jennifer. And it's nice to have a a, a woman or a female ask questions on the pod. Thank you. Uh, Jensen asks, I'm curious if you think the top-end talent and depth is consistent with 2018. No, I don't think it's I think it's comparable in some positions, but not even close in other positions. Um If so, were 20 FDB and Heinza that much worse compared to Tata? Uh I just went through that a bit ago. Uh you know, I don't know what Tata could have done with that twenty twenty team. I told y'all at the beginning of the season that I think it was as talented offensively as some of you might have, because again, Piti and Marco, I just I don't rate them highly. Uh, and I don't hate them, as some of you say on Twitter. It's just I have to say what I see and what I think we've all seen was pretty average to below average a lot of times. And when you're doing that with your designated players, you're not going to win. And that leads us to Jensen's last question. What missteps have we made that Seattle hasn't in the past years? Atlanta has missed on its designated players. It's it's that easy. Um. The past three, Alan Franco, designated players as center back, designated players are for scoring goals and creating chances, and Franco's not going to do that, and you already had two lockdown center backs. Marcelino Moreno was a designated player for a short time, played decently, but he's still not scoring and not getting hardly any of, well, he's got three goals, but not as much as you would think for a designated player and not creating a lot of chances, Barco uh, still hasn't matched Tito Villaba's output in three-plus seasons as Tito Viaba had in one season. Pity was a disastrous signing, uh, barely scored, didn't have any assists, barely on the same page as his teammates, same as Barco. Um, and when you keep missing on those, like a manager, you're going to suffer. Um, all right, we're going to wrap up the podcast. I don't see any more questions. Uh, we get to talk to Valentino, Machopchol, and another player today. And the name is escaping me right now. I apologize. I am worn out uh, from spending a lot of time in the car yesterday. Uh, Alan Franco. We get to talk to Alan, uh, who again had a good game the other day. Um, so we're wrapping up the Southern Fried Soccer podcast. Uh, as always, find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC I'm on Facebook at Atlanta United News now. Atlanta United will host Columbus on Saturday at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I'll be at the stadium. Uh, there's also a bit of news. Apparently, Fernando Meza, who was on loan from Atlanta United to Defensa y Justicia in Argentina, has been sold to Necaxa in Mexico, which is where he started, which is where Atlanta United bought him from. Um I'm still trying to get answers on what that means for Atlanta United. That was just another waste of a signing. Um The team basically traded Leandro Gonzalez-Perez for Meza. Meza came in, didn't play particularly well, but said he he realized he didn't play particularly well. But again, COVID and his family's back in Argentina. So then Atlanta United sent him on loan to Argentina at the beginning of the 2021 season. And then apparently the contract must have been terminated or he must have been waived. And he was quickly sold back to Nacafa. So basically Atlanta United got rid of a potential team captain in Leandro Gonzalez-Perez and a center back who knew it his culture and leadership and a bridge between all the teams for nothing uh, is what it comes down to. Uh, but anyway, that's what happens sometimes with signings. All right, this is another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. Y'all be good, and we'll see you Saturday.